Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. This is episode number 59. I'm Scott Jones, your host. If you guys are new to the show, Athlete on Fire is about bridging the gap between amazing and inspiring athletes and the rest of us. Uh, we go into Athlete Defined, which really tells us who these athletes are. We have fun with their, their backgrounds and their childhood. Uh, we go into Athlete Inspired, which gives us some good takeaways. And in the middle of the show is Athlete on Fire. And really, uh, that's all about the mental and physical capacity to, to compete at a high level. And all these athletes really bring some, some cool, unique stories and resources to us when they, when they hop on the show. So today's no different. We have the, uh, the, the cyclocross national champion out of Massachusetts today. He has a huge web presence, uh, some really cool websites that he runs that has to do with the sport. He, he really works for the sport, and he says that he does. Uh, I think it was really interesting where he got his work ethic with his, his family's uh, summer business, which sounds really tasty actually and and he tells about how his dad used to, to inspire him, to, to inspire him with with paper plates and you can hear about that story he, he shares a day in the life which is pretty interesting because it's a sport that I really don't know a lot about and I think uh, I really would love to try an event now after talking to him and I think you guys might as well he's he's a high energy guy he, he loves what he does and, and it's very apparent so I'm not going to take too much of your your intro we've had a great time on athlete on fire recently me and my wife just got back from New Orleans uh, hosting one of our events that we do with life's too short events and it was a great experience we love the city the people were so nice so we are invigorated and inspired ourselves I'm excited to, to share these resources that our guest today shares with you in episode 59 and you guys enjoy this you know every single one of you guys is an athlete all you have to do is apply yourselves and, and the the resources that you take from today's show is going to help you do that enjoy prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet this is athlete on fire your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence and inspire you to be and do amazing things now, I have one question. Are you fired up? Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I am Scott Jones, your host. Thank you guys for joining us today. I'm excited for today's guest. He's from a segment of a sport that I really don't know a lot about, and I'm, I'm really excited to learn from him because he is uh, an advocate, if anything. He's got an amazing online presence. He is a world, cha- a national champion in cyclocross, and I'd like to just announce and introduce today Jeremy Powers. What's up, Jeremy? How you doing, man? Ah, uh, the crowd goes wild. Hey, thanks, Scott and athletes on fire. I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Oh man, you're you have used that intro before about Chicago. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Uh, this is the first time. Awesome. So, Jeremy, so the show is all about just bridging the gap between um, athletes that are out there doing some amazing, inspiring things and the rest of us. And uh, we're going to do that today. And, and before we get started, I'm just going to take a minute and explain to you how, how the show is going to work, okay? All right, so we have three segments. The first segment is Athlete Defined. We're going to sit around, hang out, get to know you a little bit. For people who have no idea who you are, we're going to share your story, a little bit of your background, where you grew up and some inspiring things. Then we're going to dive into Athlete on Fire, and that is all about the mental and physical capacity it takes to compete at a high level, which, of course, you have. And lastly is Athlete Inspired, and we're just going to give people some really quick takeaways, some good information and, and inspiring things that they can take and use on their own when they go out and try to do amazing things. That, that being said, we're going to dive right into Athlete Defined. Athlete Defined. I want you to uh, to take us back. You're 15 years old. It's a Saturday in the middle of the summertime. 
Where are you and what are you doing all day? I was in southeastern Connecticut, um, where we string along every single trail in uh, southeastern Connecticut, and we end at a McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts, and then we sleep over at each other's house, or we bring tents and we camp in the woods. That was that was pretty much how you know 13, 14, 15 went for me. I was uh, having a lot of fun just riding mountain bikes and. Um, and yeah, and, and it was it was a great way to get into the sport and a great way to uh, to start out my my cycling career and get rid of a lot of excess energy that I had as a kid. Wow! So you would go out with your buddies and you would just ride all day. We would ride a lot. Yeah, I mean that was right around fifteen. Was right around the time that I started racing as well. Um, so we were starting to get competitive with each other. Um, we basically were pushing each other. You know, oh my gosh, this guy got this part. This guy got this part. Wow, this guy's got a you know a coach now. This guy got these new wheels. And so really, that's when the competitive stuff started for me. It was around fifteen, and um, and that was. You know, I had done a, a few races when I was 14 and I had been able to win them. Um, and then when I was 15, uh, the same thing continued. And by the end of that year, I had moved up to the, the junior X or the expert junior category, which was like basically the, the pro category for juniors. And, um, and I impressed a, uh, a team owner. Uh, it was called Team Devo. And the guy's name was John Kemp. And uh, yeah, Kemp brought me down to his house and hooked me up with all kinds of awesome um, equipment and different things. I did a, I did a lap on his test track and I, I crushed it. And, uh, my mom and I drove home in our 1995 Chevy diesel, uh, with a truck full of equipment from team Devo. So that's how, that's how I really got my launch. Um, and my first like big thing that happened in my career was getting on team Devo. And that was, that was cyclocross. Nope. This was mountain bike. Yeah. Sorry. This was, this was cyclocross was barely like people didn't even, if you think cyclocross is small now at that time, it was, it was a speck. It was like the smallest star, you know, out there. It's, it meant nothing. No one even knew. I didn't even know what cyclocross was at that time. So <laughs> that's awesome. So today's going to be fun because we're going to really educate people about it. And, uh, I'm out here in Colorado. I, I wouldn't say I was an expert by any means. I know what it is. That's about the, the base for me. And we'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit, but I want to, let's go back to your childhood a little bit and, um, paint, paint a little broader picture of, what your family life was like, what kind of work ethic was instilled, if anything. Tell us a little bit about your parents. Do you have any siblings? You know, all that good stuff uh, that we'd like to know about people when we get to know them. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we started out, I, I come from a, you know, middle class family. My parents owned uh, an ice cream business growing up. And um, and there was a very, there still is and, and was a very strong work ethic. Uh, you know, I, I was basically humping it on the trucks. Um, my, my dad owned, you know, I'd say 10, 15 ice cream trucks and it was a summer business um, and that my mom and him had built up. And so my sister, my friends, myself, we all worked on it. And um, so, yeah, I would ride and then I would do that, especially when I got to the ability to, like when I was old enough to drive and I, you know, I could have that responsibility, I was out on the trucks. But, um, but even before that, I would drive with other drivers and, and my dad would park the ice cream truck down at the beach and I would just be there alone and then someone would come and take it away. So um, always had a very strong, no mess around, no slacking, um, no slacking work ethic and. uh and my mom really kept up on that because I had just a ridiculous ADD, ADHD uh, situation going on. I was, my mom tells a story, and I've said it many times in interviews, but that she cried in the shower a lot. And it's, it's actually crazy because she did. Like, she, she legitimately didn't know what to do with all my energy, you know, outside of like, <laughs> you know, really just like, okay, you know, this, this kid's just got more energy than I know what to do with. And I kept her super busy. And so in turn, um, when I found the bike and that, that way to let my energy out, um, it really became a, 
a save, you know, it saved me essentially. And I think that, um, I think I would have probably gotten into a lot more trouble. I, I didn't. I got into some trouble, you know, not like that. Oh my God, this kid was arrested, kind of stuff. But like, I was, you know, my energy was going into other areas. So it was like a really good time for me to get into it, and um, and it, it really has been, you know, even since then. I have a lot of projects going, and I stay very busy, but they're all positive and exciting and fun things um, that I've used from from the bike. Nice. No, that's so cool. I think I think our moms probably would have got along really well. In a- <laughs> <laughs> they could have started a, a, a self-help group together because uh, I probably had a lot of the same issues. And I think, you know, when we were offline, just getting to know each other a little bit, I could feel the energy. I think people listening right now can tell the energy's there. It's just, it's really cool when somebody finds a place to put all these energies into. Um, so let's talk. You, you said ice cream. I want to just dive in and talk about flavors of ice cream. I freaking love <laughs> ice cream. Sorry if this this is offending anybody, but good athletes be eating some ice yes. cream. Um, so, so your dad, like, what kind of like leadership style did he have? Did he just like dive in and get to work and just expect you to keep up with him? Did he sit you down and say, "Hey, this is what I need <laughs> you to do today"? I mean, what were the expectations? You know? Oh man, well, the ice cream business is a is a full time business. I mean, basically, you make a living similar to like a, an accountant or any seasonal business. You know, we make a living from. Uh, you know, from basically the beginning of, you know, the first day gets warm, I would say, you know, June one, and then we end September one. So like Labor Day, Memorial Day or whatever, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a strong season. So Mikey P, my dad, um, <laughs> would, would Mikey yeah, P. Mikey P would, would, I would wake up most mornings with a, uh, because my dad would serve things on paper plates. Uh, I would wake up to an inspirational note um, snapped underneath my, uh, underneath my, <laughs> my windshield wiper, um, with like, make it happen or, you know, be here at this time or, you know, don't do this or whatever. Almost every single day, my sister, that's how we, that's how we communicate. A lot of people use sticky like notes and my dad used paper plates and, um, and, and, and magic markers. So, uh, so that was, that was his leadership style. If you want to talk about that, uh, but no, he, he definitely, we would wake up, we would be loading ice cream at six in the morning. Um, and then we would, we would literally come home, nap for two hours or go ride. And then, um, and then I would be out on the truck, you know, either helping a driver or doing it myself. And then, you know, come home, um, reload the truck, count out the money boxes, um, shred all the boxes and sometimes get home at midnight. So, you know, we would basically bust hump all summer. And, um, and it was a full-time family business. And so that's, I'd say that's where my work ethic, you know, came from and that ability to kind of like start something or, or know how hard uh, a business is to run a small business. And, and I didn't really make, it doesn't really make me afraid, which is, I think a great, a great skill to have to just be kind of, I'd say green to it, just be like, okay, whatever, we're just going to go do this thing and not really look at the consequences or the, the black side of it, just look at the white. And I think that's um, a big part of what's helped me and in some of these projects that I've taken on in my career. So, so is your pop still doing that business? <laughs> my dad will work until the day that he dies. So awesome. Awesome. So, okay. Mo- moving on from your parents, I have one more, one more question. Just, uh, if you're hanging out with your siblings or your family's just getting together around the holidays and you guys are just, you know, grabbing coffee or after dinner, you're just sitting around the table. What would be a story about your mom or dad? Just one, just one story that that's kind of quirky or funny that always comes up and you guys always laugh about. <laughs> oh man, I have no idea. Probably probably the time that uh, my dad had set out on the uh, one of the catering trucks. Um, he had set out like a like a whole like dinner that had been made, and uh, an entire family of raccoons came and um, and we videotaped it. I know that's a weird story, 
but you'd have to see like the mom and dad raccoon come and then like the four little babies jump up onto the back of the truck and like eat these hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that would probably be like the one that comes to my mind the quickest about like a family story that was like, okay, there, but I mean, there are a thousand, right? But that's the first one that jumped into my mind about like something hilarious that happened that's uh, random, uh, but. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> All right, so you know the, the beginning is just to get to know you, man. And and for people who don't know who you are as an athlete, I, if I would have read your bio of, of first place finishes and and all the stuff that you've been doing, we'd be sit, we'd still be on the intro right now. So you've done a lot of cool things in the sport of cyclocross. Why don't you take a minute and, and tell everybody why you think you're on the show as an athlete, things that you're working on, and just a little bit about your sport. I think take you know two minutes right now and, and dive into all that stuff. Uh, well, I mean, cyclocross is very much a beginning, you know, is beginning to gain some traction. It's a, it's a very exciting sport outside of, you know, road. There's, there's obviously, you've got all kinds of disciplines in cycling, but, you know, the popular ones are road and mountain. And then, you know, there's track racing and BMX and all of these different disciplines. But, um, you know, more recently, gravel rides, uh, fondos, uh, cyclocross have become more popular. And cyclocross from the racing side has become so popular because it, it's very much a spectator sport. You know, people can come out and, and, have a lot of fun for, you know, 40 minutes to an hour doing their race. And then they can enjoy themselves after and watch the pro race, um, have a beer, you know, uh, interact with friends. And it's got a very big, it's got a lot of community feel to it. And so I think cyclocross for me has been a really great outlet. And it's a skill set that I, that I had naturally. Um, I, I have a very short attention span, as we've already mentioned. Um, and so the racing really suited me. And so I've, I've found myself you know, being a racer, um, but I've also found myself in a situation where I'm not from Europe, and a lot of the racing's history and biggest events are in Europe, and so I've become more of an advocate and an American cyclocross racer, and I've sort of carved out my own area in this sport that uh, has allowed me to to help change it here and be a part of its growth, um, and and also chase my dreams in the international competition and and, and nationally as well, and, and grow the sport. So. Do you have any numbers on the sport, like participants versus other, you know, like mountain biking or, or, or road racing that people would be able to, to relate to? Somewhere. <laughs> Let me Somewhere, yeah. Ahead. Yeah, I think, I think that I, I can tell you that I know over the last five years it's grown. Um, I, I, would, I think there's, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people a year coming into the sport. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong in that. I, I have no idea. Maybe that's entire cycling across the board. I forget where I got that number from. So. Yeah, no, it's fine. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't prepare you for that question. I was just kind of sitting here kind of curious if, if there was something that popped out. But no no problem. We can look that up, and, and maybe I'll look it up and throw it in the show notes for everybody. But I, 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 think, I think that people are coming out to be a part of the events. And I, I think that the thing that you could see over the last five years is that there's been a lot more sales of cyclocross bikes. Uh, and there's been a lot more uh, events that are maxing out the registration numbers and people coming out to participate and be fans of it. And, and overall, the reach um, in the health of the sport is, is great right now. You know, there's a lot of people that want to be involved and see it and, and look forward to it. And I think you see it in the pro side as well, where, you know, more and more athletes are focusing on being a cyclocross only athlete. And so that's really cool and, and fun to be a part of that growth, you know. Oh, so cool. And you know, when we get to the next segment, Athlete on, Athlete on Fire, we're going to dive into the sport a little bit more so people can understand your preparation for, for an event. Okay. Sure. All right. So, so last question before we move on to the next segment is I want you to think back to, to your athletic and, and competitive career and tell me right now, what is the most inspiring moment, uh, that always comes to mind that has to do with athletics or competition? For, for my personal side or for someone else that I had seen or? Yeah. Just something that you've seen that, that's really inspired you. Uh, 
Well, that's a that's a good question. I think I think um, I, I've been able to meet and ride with a lot of great athletes over my career. You know, I've I've had the opportunity to ride with uh, like Jonas Carney is one guy that I really look up to. Uh, I, my first year on Jelly Belly, he really looked out for me. Uh, Alex Candelario was another rider who's you know very strong and has a lot of experience. Um, I was coached by Adam Meyerson when I was younger. Kevin Monahan, all older. You know, these guys are 10, 12 years older than me um, sometimes, and so. Uh, I also got in 2005, I was able to ride with Danny Pate and, um, Pate always left a really lasting impression on me because of how, um, how talented he was. And it really changed my opinion because I had, I had been coming back from Europe and I was a little bit jaded about how strong it was there and how well I was doing in the States, especially in cyclocross. Uh, and then I came back from Europe and I just was a little bit burned on it, but, um, Danny really changed my opinion of how how strong uh, someone could be naturally, and, and um, so it kind of changed my mindset and really allowed me to like give people credit for being that talented. And so there's a couple of different you know stories or events that we were in together where you know I was completely ready to just be like I'm out and uh, I, I you know three and a half hours into a road race or something like that, and then Danny goes at that moment when I'm like I'm completely done. Uh, and I've been training 30 hours a week and hanging out at altitude. And then Danny goes and rides off the front of, you know, the Philadelphia Classic and gets second to Horner, uh, almost winning the national title. So it's like there's the, some of those inspirational moments are what, you know, kept me going and, and allowed me to really believe in in the sport in a way that I, I think I was a little bit jaded from having coming back from Europe at that time being, you know, 21 years old. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a great story. And I think the takeaway for people out there is that, when it comes down to it, you, you have to compete against yourself. And seeing that other people are talented and able to work more or in a different way doesn't necessarily mean that, that you can't work in a way that's going to allow you to do really well. And I think because I, one of the, the goals of this show is is to bridge that gap for people. And when you listen to people, and I and I quoted Ian Sharman because he has some amazing records in, in ultra running, but there's tons of people that have been on the show that are doing really cool things. You can't compare yourself to, to how they're doing things, but you can take what works for you and do and do as best you can. And you probably took some of that inspiration from from Danny and used it to uh, to the best of your abilities. I'm sure in the future. Definitely. I mean, yeah, all of those things, right? There's all these things that happen in your career or, or along your you know your uh, along life uh, that you take you know you take notes from and you you kind of mentally save them and um, and that's what shapes you as a person. And so those opportunities and those things that you pay attention to. That's what I say to so many. You know, if a young rider asks me for a bit of advice, it's like listen, listen to people that have more experience than you and click and save because that's the stuff that will mold you and help you to become a better person and athlete and, and whatever your goal is, whether you know that's programming computers, pay attention and surround yourself with the absolute best person that you possibly can, people that you possibly can, and, and you'll grow and learn from that stuff and, and develop your own set. Sweet. Thanks, Jeremy. That's good stuff, man. We're gonna we're gonna move on to Athlete on Fire. It's my favorite segment. Uh, I'm kind of a geek. I'm, my my master's is in exercise science, so I like it into to a lot of the mental and physical pieces. Athlete on fire. Uh, so we're diving into athlete on fire. And we all, we always like to start this off just to get people moving. If you guys are listening and you have the capacity to go work out right now, go for it. That's <sighs> one of my dreams for this show. So, Jeremy, if you can give us a workout that's really hard or unique or challenging for everybody right now, we call it Fitness on Fire. I'd love to hear that right now. 
A very difficult workout that I will do is a uh, is basically you know five. They, they sometimes they, they differ. Sometimes five to ten minute intervals um, that I use kind of to sharpen uh, if I don't have a lot of racing. And what I'll do with those is I'll I'll get uh, sometimes I'll start you know and a start of a cycle cross race is very intense. It's a hundred you know one hundred and twenty percent all out for probably a minute two minutes. And then you settle into a very, you know, your VO2 max kind of level. Like you're, you're absolutely blown. Um, and, you know, it's like that for 10 or 15 minutes until the race settles out and things kind, of, things kind of get square. But it's like a bottleneck and you have to beat it. So you don't win a cross race in the beginning, but you definitely lose it if you're not going well. So, so for me, I'll do a lot of intervals where I simulate that, especially at the beginning of the season. And, um, and so I'll tack into the interval, you know, again, whether that's five to 10 minutes of duration. Um, for a minute all out and then I'll settle into a very high you know above lactate buffering zone so so I'm actually producing lactic acid and I've got that burn in my legs um, and I'll do that you know as many times as I can until exhaustion and, um, and then I guess one tweak to that is sometimes I'll do that I'll start out really hard I'll do two more minutes really really hard and if the interval is about 10 minutes long I'll get off and I'll do like a run on the side of the road like on grass as hard as I can to just really spike my heart rate like it's a cycle cross race get back on and then I'll settle back into the effort so um, those are those are two very key interval workouts that I do that really blow me to bits and um, and, and I've used with a lot of success in the past okay so just to recap so, th- so the interval is one minute all out get above lactate threshold Hang on there for as long as you can, usually five to ten minutes, it sounds like. Yes. I mean, it depends on what I'm looking for, right? Like, if, I mean, the power is going to be higher in a five-minute interval. So if I'm like, okay, I want to do 500 watts for five minutes, you know, I'll, I'll go for that because sometimes you need that. But if I say, like, okay, I'm actually trying to tune more for a longer burn here, then I'll go down a bit in the wattage so that I can match that, di- that difference in time, so... Gotcha. Okay, so what would your just one last question on these intervals? What do you? How much recovery time do you give yourself? Usually, I recover a hundred percent. You know, because that's okay. what I'm at, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to. I, I want to do as many as I can and get as much out of it. You know, sometimes I'll just sit in a parking lot with my head between my legs as I recover because I, I want to go back out there and re you know replicate that effort and try to get a hundred and ten percent out of myself. So I don't say like, oh man, I'm only going to do two minutes or three minutes. You know, recovery like. You know, while that might make sense, I'm looking more for like how long can I get here? How much can I get out of myself? And um, you know, that's the way that I that's the way that I train. And and I'm sure there's a thousand reasons to to do it differently, but for me, that's what I do. No, that's great. So you guys, you guys have a good one to go out there and try out. And and if you don't have access to a bike, you can get in a gym and, and use a bike there, or you can you can do the same interval running, guys. It's uh it's pretty good across the board. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna dive in. Let's really quick share a good, really inspirational quote or mantra that you like to fall back on, and uh, then we'll move forward here. Uh, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten, and that's uh, that's why you know I, I I always say a lot. Like I use the word refinement, but because I because I think people can be like, oh, I've I've done well here, I've done well here, and I've gotten away with X amount of of this type of training or something like that. You know, if you keep doing that same thing, you'll constantly get the same result and you won't get better. And so it's about switching it up. And even though it might be outside your comfort zone, I think there's a lot in that statement of just, you know, don't do what you've always done and you'll get a different thing. And so it's about it's about pushing your own boundaries and, and, and trying to raise that bar for yourself. And that's what a lot of good athletes have is the ability to say, okay, I'm going to tweak this thing within reason to try to get more out of myself. And especially this year, as I focus only on cyclocross, I've been doing a lot of that. And um, there's been a lot of changes that I've made. And I think, you know, m- my hope is that they're beneficial for my, uh, for my cyclocross season coming up. 
Awesome, man. Okay, so so this segment is all about the men- mental and physical capacity to compete at a high level. And uh, we're, we're going to break down your sport a little bit more so that we have a little more reference for people who don't know what cyclocross is. So so I've never heard of the sport before. We're pretending right now. Okay. And uh, I, have no, I have no idea what the equipment needs are or what even a course is. So... So really quick, tell us without geeking out too much. What is what is your equipment compared to like a mountain bike or road bikes that things that people can relate to, and what is a what is the competition? What is the course like? What what's different about it? And uh, just take a minute to explain that, and then we'll dive into the mental and physical. So a road bike has slick tires, um, and a cyclocross bike has knobby tires, and basically that's the difference. You know, uh, the cyclocross bike is a road bike with more aggressive braking. Uh, so sometimes disc brakes um, or, or cantilever brakes and uh, knobby tires. And the geometry is obviously matches that. It's a little bit more upright with a little bit better handling and so on. So, um, you know, imagine the mountain bike tires on a road bike, and that's basically what you've got for a cyclocross machine. Uh, and then for the racing, you know, it's, it's about – it's a combination of, of, um, of fitness, uh, technical skill, and, and snap. You know, it's a – there's not – I've said before, like it's it's you know road racing is a game of chess and cyclocross is a game of checkers. It, it happens very quickly in cyclocross. It's mono, you know, it's it's you race against everyone else. It's not it's it's not like oh man, if my teammate breaks the win here, it's like if you're going hard, you will win. <laughs> so <laughs> so cyclocross is um, is eight minute lap, very intense at the start. You settle in, you ride for three four minutes, you get off, you run up some stairs, you know like set into the ground, dirt stairs, doom, 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 back on the bike, through this technical section, boom, boom, boom. Then you've got this crazy hill. You ride up this crazy hill. You descend. You get to a flat section. You go over a set of barricades where you get off and you run. Then you do another two minutes hard, and then you're on to your next lap. And so there's all of these different um, obstacles, I would call them, or features in the track that make each one unique, and they all undulate and, and turn and have different things going on. But ultimately, um, it's an eight-minute lap. Your family or friends or whoever comes out to watch, you can see most of it. You have to master that eight minutes and then you capitalize on another person's mistake or, or those people capitalize on your mistakes and that's how you win. So so you get off the bike a lot. We get off and run a lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, more so when it's muddy and nasty, especially in Europe, like where you just can't ride anymore, you have to just get off and throw the bike on your shoulder and just start trooping. And uh, so, yeah, you got to be a decent runner and not, so- not necessarily – for every track in the United States, because we have a lot more dry weather here o- o- across the board. But you know, Belgium, where the sport is just thriving, uh, and, and Netherlands and France, you know, there's a lot more wet weather, and so you get a lot more heavy underground, and you'll end up running a lot more. Wow! So, are there a lot of wrecks in the sport? Yeah, I mean, nothing. You know, it, it's the World Cup level is definitely got some some hairy stuff, <laughs> some things that will make you go, oh, oh boy. <laughs> Um, that you could get pretty hurt on, break some ribs, but overall, you know, we're we're ra- it's a bike it's a bike race. I mean, we are technically doing things that you know your beginner rider wouldn't do, and even your expert level rider wouldn't do at the World Cup level. But I think uh, it, it, it's not it's not that it's not that bad. There's not there's not these crashes that are like MotoGP 190 miles an hour tire <laughs> blowouts. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, this is all. You know, I, I interviewed a guy, Josh Summerfield. He's out of the, he's out of the UK, and he builds and does these worldly treks on penny farthings. Those you know those old school bikes with the huge front wheel and the little teeny back wheel. Yeah. And they race those suckers over there. Wow. And uh, oh my, you, you got to go check out the video because they they 
they corner at 45 degrees, but they're like six feet, five, four or five, six feet off the ground. That's where their seat is. So when those guys wreck, they're going over the front wheel, which is like six feet high, and then slamming into the ground. It's just the most visually ridiculous thing. But I'm just thinking about wrecks in general, and my mind's going all over the place back to the ADD. I'm thinking. Right. I'm, I'm thinking about how he tells that story about what he does at the family party. Like, what is that? What is that experience like? Where he's like, okay, so here we go. This is what I do. Uh, this is what it looks like, and this is the type of. I, I think everyone would just be like, uh, "Okay, well." <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, everybody can picture like the old school English guy on, yeah. the, on the old bike back in the '30s. You know, it's just, and he's 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 doing like thousands and thousands. He's actually riding from uh, Canada to Patagonia this summer um, via the Rockies. So he's going to be doing some crazy stuff. I, I, totally I, I just love the stories. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into mental first. I, I think understanding the sport a little bit better really helps, and your description was was awesome. Uh, so let's go into mental for you. What what is a mental habit while you compete that you have that you really think helps you do do really well at these events? Uh, I'm very much like a pot. You know, going back to like the paper play underneath the windshield wiper thing. You know, I'm very much a positive. Like I, I thrive on positivity, and so I I will you know like. Psychology 101 stuff, but I'll reinforce positive things all the time. Even even when things are going poorly, you know, there's there is something good to take out of that experience. And so I will try to find, even when I'm very disappointed, I'll try to find the the best thing that happened during the event or one thing that I can take away. Um, so I I do strive, and of course I have my moments like anyone where I, I I I'm not able to execute on it, but I I strive to really just continue to say, you know, these are the things that I'm doing and I'm happy and like things are good and life is good and, and and overall I just try to stay in that mindset of like I'm happy I'm making other people happy I'm trying to do my best here and even if I'm having a horrible race so mentally I stay I try to stay very strong and um and I try to just push it every time you know like whatever the circumstance so win or lose so let's really let's relate that to people because in, in these endurance sports you know there's only going to be one winner in most of these events and it's not going to be me for sure and it's <laughs> not going to be most of my listeners for darn sure. sure you're you're in a unique place where you're able to compete at the highest level sure so tell us a time that you failed for your goal which is to win uh and you were down but you're ready to get right back at it and and what was that like how can other people relate to to not succeeding in something that they try if they DNF the race or or something like that? You know, just try to bring a story of, of yeah. a time that you failed in, to to the masses here. Yeah, my miss, my my most historic miss was uh, was the World Championships, the historic World Championships that took place in um, Louisville, Kentucky, in in February of 2013, and um, the National Championships basically. I had been, I had, I had already flown about a hundred thousand miles in the airplane that year. I'd been to Korea, Japan, um, all across Europe, back and forth like three times, all across the United States. I had done something like eighty race days, and I had gone and done this like altitude training camp in Tucson, Arizona, with my coach, uh, another rider, Phil Guyman, and uh, my videographer at the time, and we all basically hunkered down up there to get in like a ten day altitude block, and. Uh, and I came up short. It was a bad decision. Um, I, I flew to Europe um, directly from Tucson, a very long flight um, with a lot of training smashed in. I never was able to recover from the hard training block that I did. And I got to the first World Cup and I, I led the first two laps. Um, and then I ultimately, uh, I just, I detonated, you know, I, I blew up bad. And I remember being like, oh no. And it's, it's, it's at that time when you have to really think about like, okay, what have I done here and, and how am I going to fix this? And sometimes when you're in it, 
you know, you can't necessarily fix it, but it was one of those oh crap moments for me where I realized like, okay, I'm here. I just was in Tucson. I'm now in Belgium and I've got to go back to uh, Madison, Wisconsin in, in about five days and I've got to try to win the national championship. So really at that point, the only thing I could have done that looking back was shut it down. I could have just stopped racing. I could have skipped the second World Cup that I was over there for and gone home and rested. And instead, I try to just keep pushing through, taking on more, saying yes to all these you know, uh, events that were coming up. And I really overextended myself in a way that I, I, I was super, super disappointed in my nationals. I ended up sixth, and I was defending champ. So um, I, went in, I went into that event. I got sixth. I came out of that event, and I was, I had, we had rented a place, uh, a house in Louisville, Kentucky, for the entire month. And I brought my coach down. He was there. We got a scooter. And, you know, 20, 30, 40 degree weather, very cold down there at that time of the year. Um, I was outside training behind the scooter, just pounding, just absolutely giving it 110%. And then at the warm-up event, um, I actually, I got third to the world champion. Um, and so it's about, it's about bouncing back. You know, I was in a place where my fitness was very much up and down, and it wasn't something that I could necessarily say was going to go one way or the other. But I stepped back. I looked at my situation. I took a break. Uh, and I refocused my energy and, you know, out of those three races, nationals, the warm up race and worlds, I actually, I got one event that I was really happy with and proud of. And that was that podium, um, in Cincinnati the weekend before. And so, you know, it's just about, it's about saying that things are, things are going to go crappy at some point. Like, you know, it's not, things aren't defined. They're not definite in, in, especially in sport, you know, that's why we all go out there and race every day. That's why, you know, they, they race three races, you know, with the horses. It's like everything is out there. There's a reason for it. Um, and it doesn't always go the way that you want, but you have to kind of just put that stuff behind you, you know, set a new goal and hope, you know, and, and go for it and try to attain it. And so that's what I, that's what I'll do. I just, I just keep on. I try to put other things off to the side and just keep motoring. No, that's great, man. So, I mean, the takeaways for me are, are positive reinforcement and bounce back as quick as you can. And, uh, and probably one other theme in there is is learn how to say no occasionally when it's when it's going to help you out because it, it's hard. I've actually talked about it on the show. It's really hard to say no uh, to, to things when uh, you're man. when you're hyperactive and you're ready. You know, I, I think that's very powerful. I, I always joke. I say if I had one thing, I, I I don't have any tattoos, and and that's not to say that I don't like tattoos. I love tattoos, but um, you know, if I had one tattoo, I would tattoo on the inside of my arm. Say no. <laughs> because because I have a tendency to yes man something and yes of course I'd love to do that and then the next thing I know I'm I'm maxed out and I can't make enough time for myself and for the things that I really want to accomplish and it's hard when you're very hyper and you think a lot to just focus on that one thing and, and what that would be like if you had more energy to give it versus spreading yourself too thin so if you guys have a personality like me start that process now of saying no to certain things that you don't feel ultra ultra passionate about and think that they'll have an impact in the way that you want it to be so yeah you know if somebody's listening to this and they actually take that advice they'll, they'll probably pass us here in the sh- in the short term as far as business <laughs> they'll definitely it, be on the show <laughs> yeah it's just crazy all right so uh so that's the mental piece i think i think that's plenty and, and people definitely get some some resource and inspiration from that let's go to the physical piece and i'll do kind of a, f- a fun physical question first do you have any do you have any uh, habits or wish- rituals physically before you compete that you have to go through? Is there is there something you do every single time? Um, 
You know, I warm up. I mean, that's obviously a no-brainer, right? But I do, I do a fairly, you know, like good warm up with a with a pretty serious ritual. Um, you know, there's small things I've just learned along the way that don't work for me. I don't, I don't use any caffeine. Um, it just really doesn't. It doesn't sit well with my stomach, or you know, one of these things. Like I, I don't know. I have all kinds of small little things that I do. I, I, uh, you know, I never shave the day of a race. I mean, there's all these little things that that we've learned along the way, whether they're you know, we call them Belgian logic, or they're just uh, they're, they're just these small things that have gotten passed along down the way, like no hot shower um, before the race, <laughs> like whatever those things are. But uh, I like to spin. You know, if I'm in a great place and I've got a lot of you've got a lot of good fitness, I like to spin before I race, like in the morning. You know, nine ten a.m. Uh, just for a half hour, forty minutes to get the legs moving, and then um, especially if it's a race that's a one day, like a World Cup, like okay, I need to do one hour well. I, I always will ride the morning before just to get the system. The system going to level off the glucose to like not get like some crazy spike and uh, and to just get get things motoring. But I don't I don't have a lot of like I must eat one and a half hours before this exact amount of you know CHO or whatever carbohydrate. I, I I more am like okay you know I take it as it comes and I I work within the schedule and I try to set you know a, a certain thing up. But you know I move and shake with with what happens too. I'm not I'm not like that kind of athlete. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And you, I think you have to be flexible. Other, otherwise, when something changes, everything falls apart. It's true. Uh, so take us to like the – I always like to do this with our athletes. Like take us through a day in the life. So let's say you're in, in peak training, like preseason training. Uh, pick one a day that would be your hardest training day and just drag us through it from when you wake up to when you go to bed. Oh, like one of my favorite days is to just get up, you know, go out with the dog and run, you know, run stairs, uh, just like run, you know, basically in the woods, like, uh, you know, by my house, there's a really great mountain and I'll just run, you know, I'll run these log stairs, you know, up and down with the pup, like for, you know, an hour, uh, come home, have a shake, have a nap and then go out and do, you know, either a motor pace sesh if I'm really trying to push it um, and get some, like, top fitness, uh, or or I'll go out and do a long ride. And, um, you know, that's – and then come home and have a nice meal and get into bed early. So, I mean, if I can get in a double workout with a nap and two great meals, uh, I'm, I'm that's a pretty much a perfect day. I mean, obviously, you know, there's these monster rides that we'll do that are five hours plus or six hours plus uh, – uh, with friends and and whatnot on the weekends, but uh, w- which don't allow for you to have a nap. But um, but really, that's like my favorite day is to do a, a non cycling uh, workout in the morning uh, with a nap, you know, in the middle, and then a, and then a good hard or even low intensity but long uh, second ride in the afternoon. So how how long is long? Just for reference point. Yeah, like I said, you know, five hours is. I mean, if you're going over five hours and you're a cyclocross race, that race is one hour. I mean, it's it's a little bit. I'm not saying that it doesn't have an effect, but I think that if you did, you know, if you did a six-hour day and you got hurt, you know, you injured your knee, yeah, I think you might as well have just done the two five-hour days or something like that. I think, I think once you start to get over that five hours, unless you're doing races where you need that type of storage and efficiency for a five-hour race, you might, you might be. And again, I'm not, I'm not like I don't know everything, but for me, uh, five hour, more than five hours is not necessary for what I'm for what I'm doing right. usually. Well, everybody's got to find out what that point of of uh, or what where is the point where negative returns start becoming an issue, and that's just speaking to overtraining. and And Jeremy's correct; everybody's different. I mean, the science is there for for a reason, totally. but there's individuals that that are actually doing these competitions. So you got to find out what works for you after you have a basic understanding of the science. Um, and you mentioned that you had a shake in the morning, and I, I've done this with a bunch of athletes. What is the recipe for your shake? What, like a general one, you know, like your go-to. 
Uh, I usually have almond milk, uh, blueberries, strawberries. I put some greens in it. That might be spinach or like some, you know, uh, like kale that's sort of massaged. Um, some, yeah, some chard. I don't know. I throw, I'll throw greens in it though. Uh, sometimes I'll throw, you know, sometimes I'll juice some beets and throw some beets, some beet juice in the shake. Um, and then I usually use a, like a whey protein isolate with it. Um, I buy most of my stuff from Whole Foods, and I use a Blendtec blender. So um, that's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much the jam. You know, it's a couple hundred calories. It's a uh, it's all clean, and I, it doesn't upset my stomach, which is probably the most important thing. Especially if you're going to do a second workout in a day, is to make sure that whatever you're having uh, doesn't upset your stomach, because that can kind of that can kind of tear up a, a good training day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and you got to test that for training, of course. Yeah, Everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. Um, all right, so so let's move forward here just a little bit. The the last, well, the last question I have before we move on was regarding diet. Is, is there is there any splurges for diet? Are are you really strict with diet? Um, and if there are splurges, what what's your your philosophy on that? I think like most athletes, I have to work hard to be skinny. You know, uh, I probably hang around one fifty eight or something like that. And when you see me at my skinniest, I'm probably one fifty uh, or just a hair over it. You know, I think. I think like anyone, you know, I fluctuate, you know, right now I bet I'm 156 or 157 and I think once I start working at it over the, you know, I have about 90 days until my first cyclocross race, so that's about three months. So I've got quite a bit of time to slowly lose weight and I'll do that. You know, I'll have, I could skip basically, you know, uh, two nights having a, you know, a cookie or, you know, a snack at the evening and, and lose that weight pretty easily. So, um, I don't know. I do have some splurges. I definitely, I mean, I grew up, you know, in a family of ice cream. Like we don't, we don't really mess around with dessert. We, we go all in, but I'm a, I am such a, a sucker for like a Ben and Jerry's, uh, you know, pint. I mean, that's, if I do a very hard day and I'm very fatigued and my body is telling me I want something, you know, I will, I, I'm, no one put it past me to smash a pint of ice cream. Not even smash it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, you I mean, have kind I'm of an feeling, ice cream background there. Yeah, exactly. If I'm feeling like a little bit guilty about it, I'll go with the froyo. You know, like a. a I love that. <laughs> I love the. I love the froyo, like the, the chocolate brownie, and just whatever. Yeah, I'll definitely. Oh, I won't that stuff around. is so good. I know. <laughs> All right, man. This has been a great segment. We're going to move on to Athlete Inspired. It's, it's a lot quicker, quick hitters, all that good stuff. Uh, before sure. we dive totally into Athlete Inspired, I always like to have a little fun with, with our guests. So, uh, so we're going to do like a, we usually do like a little quiz or, or a quick takeaway deal here. Today we're going to do a quiz. So you're a cyclocross racer. And to me, in my, in my deluded mind, I, I hear cross and then I think cross dresser. So I'm, I'm going to quiz you on cross dressing. You ready? All right. I'm, I'm not ready, but I'm ready. <laughs> If you're like, yeah, dude, I studied that, then uh, we'd be good to go. So I, I don't have I don't have a, a, a strong base in cross dressing. So I'm on a, a website called crossdresserswife.com. Who the heck knows what this is? But this is fun. <laughs> I don't know so we're going to do true, yeah, gonna do not... true or false. Go ahead. And we're going to dive right in. All right. So the first question is, true or false? All cross dressers are gay. I would say false. 100%. Well, there you go. Well, Dr. William Staten, head of the University of Pennsylvania, uh, he's a therapist and a cross-dresser. He said that people associate cross-dressing with effeminacy and being gay, and the fact is most of them are not gay. Number one. Number two, five. Are you uncomfortable who, yet, Jeremy? Who hasn't dressed up like their wife or girlfriend once in a blue moon? I mean, that just makes sense. Who doesn't love doing that? Exactly. Well, that leads to our next question. <laughs> <laughs> Cross dressers always wear women's clothes. 
that is probably also, you know, that's tough. That's tough. I'm going to go with yes. It seems like a yes to me, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you are wrong. But okay. the point that I'd like to pull from this answer is that uh, the same doctor quote is quoted by saying, you can't imagine how many politicians can't give a speech in Congress without wearing women's panties. That is huh. Dr. Staten. And That's this has got to be fact because it's on crossdressersswife.com. All right, number, <laughs> number eight. <laughs> it develops, cross-dressing develops in adulthood. True or false? I'm, I'm going to go with false. I'm going to go false on that. You're right. You're batting two for three here. Okay. And uh, it starts very young, apparently, uh, as, as uh, cross-dressers got started wearing mom's clothing. Interesting. I'm learning this for the first time here. I'm just reading this stuff. All right. This is the last one. Seems like common sense, but uh, true or false, cross-dressing can be cured. Uh, no, you got to let that out. You got to just roll that. If you're into that, you just you just do that. You don't you don't try to hide that. You just you just let it. You you're proud of that. You just it's, you run with it. You don't cure you're nailing that. You it, dude. Wanna, you don't want to cure that. If you're if you're into cross dressing, you're having a good time. You're very outgoing. You're probably into some crazy stuff. So just you know just let that out. Just roll with it. That is you know, and we'll go back to Doctor State as he quotes, "The truth is, you cannot change it." And, uh, you know, it's no different than cyclocross. I think once you've decided that, you, that you're a cyclocrosser, you just can't go back. So you have a lot in common with, with cross-dressers, uh, Jeremy. And thanks for, thanks for joining us with the most ridiculous quiz we've done in a while. Ha. We're going to dive into uh, Athlete Inspired. I love people with a sense of humor. Athlete Inspired. And uh, this is really for takeaways. The first question is about you. Everything else is going to be about giving giving people some resources. So, the question is: is Legacy important to you? Definitely, one hundred percent. And is there a why on that one? I I I think that probably personally, you know, this is a little. This is, maybe he's going to feel a little deep, sh- shredding straight from the cross dressing into this, but. Uh, but I think you know. I think that you do ultimately find that in life, there's only a certain amount of time, right? And so I'm. I would say that I'm like scared to death, almost. You know, I. I feel like I've only got a certain amount of time, and I don't know when it's over. And so all of these things that I want to do, I. I just I fast forward on them, and I. I feel like there's only again a certain amount of time, and I just I want to get them all done, and I want to make sure that I have a huge impact in the most craziest way that I can, and, and really have. Not even for anyone else to say it, just so that, you know, whatever, if I have kids or if I don't, that I can look back and feel like I gave as much as I possibly could to uh, the time that I was given, you know? Yeah, that's a great answer, man. Really appreciate that. Um, is there someone or something in the world that's inspiring you right now? Oh, gosh. There's always someone that inspires me. You know, I just got to hang out with uh, with Ben Spees for a week um, racing the North Star Grand Prix. and. Can be completely honest. I didn't know anything about MotoGP really. I followed it a little bit through my friends back in Connecticut, um, and I knew of it. But you know, I, I got to—he uh, he showed me a lot of interesting stuff about his career and kind of the journey that he had um, through racing MotoGP at the you know the world level and, and being world champ and winning these massive events. Uh, and it was inspiring. Like I just was like, wow! Like this dude literally crashed at 190 miles an hour and like separated both his arms and. 
um, just had a crazy go of it, and it really it was inspiring. And it also kind of minimized, like, well, dude, if I eat it at 30 miles an hour going down this hill in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like, what? That's that's gonna hurt, but that's not gonna be as most likely, and I'm not saying for sure, as bad as what this guy did. Um, and so I don't know. That that was that's like a, the thing that's most fresh in my mind. But there's been a lot of people that have inspired me in a lot of different ways, and and I I always look to really positive popular culture people to find you know exciting like you know inspiration like that that i that i follow whatever if that's jay-z or that's you know a friend of mine clinton sparks who's a dj i just i find other people's energy to to push me um and and say like you know what that is possible like this nothing was given to anyone here and so i i do look at that and i i get inspired by others all the time and you know, I hope that I inspire some people to get out on a cyclocross bike as well and, and be a good person and try to live with good values. You know, that's what I would push for. No, that's great, man. And I think if you just keep your mind open to opportunity and, and inspiration, you'll see a lot more opportunity and you'll find a lot more inspiration in your life. And that just, it probably just speaks to you. You said you're, you're an optimistic person and uh, obviously with your answers, that's been pretty clear for us that you are. Sure. Um, <laughs> so so we'll move on a little bit. We're, we're almost done, but we're, we got a... The book question. You know, I always like to to have a book to recommend to to our listeners. Do you have one of those? Oof, man, it really depends on the mood. Um, you know, but I I guess there's there's a couple. I would say for a for like a you know sports book, I'd say the the lore of running. It's a it's a great book to just have to like flip through. Um, it's just got a lot of really crazy information in it about um, I don't know about about athletics um and then i would say the other book is is you know outliers it's just about like um you know success like just striving for it and just kind of yeah just really pushing it and it's a great book read it outliers malcolm gladwell yeah, yeah those are both great i i know outliers and lore running tim tim noakes he's he's still around and kicking and uh yeah it's a yeah. great resource it's, it, it's got your science it's got your mental it's a, a good resource and history historical perspective I, that's a really good one as well it's a, it's a great one to definitely get your like to jump in i mean it's a little bit it's going to be it's going to be above just a, a amateur you know cyclist that's having fun but it definitely if you're like man i've got this pain in my knee there's a good chance that he you know dissected why in there and so especially yeah. for me with the amount of running that i've taken up now um for my cyclocross training i've i've found a lot of that beneficial and informative Cool, man. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. We have two more questions. The first is, um, you know, we're so connected, and, and I know you have such a great web presence. How can people get a hold of you? How can they follow what you're working on? Well, uh, there's, two, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I have um, I have the Jam Fund, which is our nonprofit that my two best friends and I started, um, and that's that's a that's Jam Cycling, uh, you know, JamCycling.org. Uh, that's one way to keep up. We have our charity event coming up July 19th, which is the Grand Fundo, not a Fondo. But a fundo um, where my dad brings out the ice cream truck uh, for the rest stop in the middle of it. So that's pretty sweet. We've got uh, I've got my Facebook and, and Twitter, which is just you know my Facebook is Jeremy Powers. It's an athlete page. Uh, my Twitter is also at Jeremy Powers. Uh, my website is jpows.com. And then uh, of course there's Behind the Barriers TV, which is um, I did a day in the life uh, show for four years called Behind the Barriers, and last year we expanded that. Um, to create like a, an entire hub for the entire cyclocross community 
and really tell everyone's story, not just my personal story. And, and, and so um, BTBTV or BehindTheBarriers.tv is another great way to, uh, to kind of follow cyclocross, learn about the racing, uh, learn about the personalities, get some great one-on-one interviews, tech features, it's all that. So it's, an, it's basically an online cyclocross media company, essentially. But uh, it's, it's been, that's, been a, that's been a journey for sure with, with ups and downs. Oh, and it's great, though. I mean, I, you know, if, if you don't know the sport and you want to go somewhere that's engaging and, and informative and tells a lot of good stories, I, w- I would go to BTB TV. Uh, I, I had a chance to kind of explore around on there before I got on with you, just have some background on it. But it's, sure. it's a clean site and it's easy to navigate. I think you guys will really, really enjoy that. All right, so we're going to wrap it up, man. Uh, I, I, we're going to take it back to the first question of the day. I want you to go back to that 15-year-old version of yourself that was riding around in, in uh, I think you said, southern Connecticut. And I want you to give that version of yourself some advice right now. <clears throat> oh, man. Uh, well, <clears throat> probably don't take uh, – I, I, would, I would say something that I echoed earlier, which is surround yourself with the absolute best people that you can. Uh, and instead of doing 90% of everything, do 110% and make that step. I think that's a lot of advice that I give to a lot of the riders that are coming up because I, you know, I saw it in myself where, you know, I, I would go to bed at one in the morning or I would, you know, I would be going to school or I'd be doing this thing and I'd not be taking care of myself and then I wouldn't get the results that I wanted. And ultimately, I'll, I would say half-ass would be the word, but it's just spreading myself too thin. And I wish that I had focused and paid attention more to the people that were, were looking to help me and, and push me to be my best. And, um, and I think that that would be one thing that if I could change something, I would definitely, I would, I would say that I would focus on, you know, myself and, and not being selfish necessarily, but really just listening to others around me and giving 110% instead of that 90. Cause the, the line between, you know, winning a race and losing a race at the top end of the sport is sometimes 1%. And so the difference between giving, you know, your 90 and giving your 110, uh, is, is a, is a big difference. And that's what it takes to really get to the top. You have to dedicate to it and you have to want it. And yeah, I say that, I say that a lot to a lot of the kids that are on the jam fund and to a lot of the riders that I come across that ask for that type of advice. I, I say those things pretty consistently and that's something that I wish someone had said to me. Awesome, Jeremy. Well, hey, really quick, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you, you taking it out and, and sharing your story. Definitely. Thank you very much for having me on and uh, best to everyone out there and thank you for listening. Yeah, and this is for everybody else. I'm Scott Jones, your host. The goal of Athlete on Fire is to bridge the gap between amazing athletes and inspiring athletes and the rest of us. I think today we had a perfect example of that. I want to, I want to thank Jeremy Powers for sharing his story and he is absolutely an athlete on fire. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com. Thank you.